and a brother for singing as well. And we turn, please, in God's Word to the first book of the Bible. And we want to turn to uh, the book of Genesis, therefore, in the chapter 24. The chapter 24. Now, this 24th chapter of Genesis is one of the longest chapters, not the longest, but one of the longest in the Scriptures. It would take a right while to read. So we're just going to read from verse 50, and we're going to read down to the verse 58. Genesis chapter 24, and we are commencing our reading at the verse 50. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing proceedeth from the Lord. We cannot speak unto thee bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before thee. Take her and go, and let her be thy master's son's wife, as the Lord hath spoken. And it came to pass that when Abraham's servant heard their words, he worshipped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. And the servant brought forth jewels of silver, and jewels of gold and raiment, and gave them to Rebekah, He gave also to her brother and to her mother precious things. And they did eat and drink, he and the men that were with him, and tarried all night. And they rose up in the morning, and he said, Send me away unto my master. And her brother and her mother said, Let the damsel abide with us a few days, at the least ten. After that, she shall go. And he said unto them, Hinder me not, seeing the Lord hath prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. And they said, We will call the damsel and inquire at her mouth. And they called Rebekah and said unto her, Wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. May God bless the reading of this portion of the scripture, short though it be. Let's seek the Lord in prayer just for a moment or two. We feel the need afresh of his presence, his power to preach the word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the meeting thus far. And now the hour has come for the preaching of the word of God. We are reminded tonight and greatly encouraged by the thought that it pleases the Lord by the foolishness of preaching to save those who will believe. Tonight's salvation is of the Lord. It belongeth unto thee. It's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. We pray that the spirit will move mightily in this gathering. Pray for all who are yet unsaved, that even this night their heart would be opened like that of Lydia of old, that they might attend to the things that are spoken from this pulpit tonight. Remember the backslidden, the cold of heart, the ones, Lord, that are wandering far off from thee, just like Peter of old. Lord, restore them again. Indeed, Lord, as you restored Peter, 
and use them mightily. We thank you, Lord, that there's a second chance with God. And Lord, remember each of your people that the fire burn in us tonight as we listen to the scriptures. Let us hear the voice of the shepherd. There's nothing, Lord, that stills the sheep like the shepherd's voice. And may there be a little reviving again, even in the midst of the years. Give me the power that I need to preach thy word. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> amen. The text that I, I have tonight is the last verse that we read together. Uh, Genesis chapter 24, verse 58. And they called Rebekah and said unto her, Wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. In the Old Testament, God often preached the gospel through the use of human pictures. In his providence, whereby he arranges and he governs all things and brings them to pass, he would bring certain people together in carefully planned scenarios, which, when interpreted in the clear light of the New Testament, these scenarios give a lovely presentation of the gospel. And so it is, and very clearly so, in this somewhat long passage in Genesis chapter 24. To put it into context, Abraham had sent his faithful servant out to find a godly wife for his son Isaac. And providence again enabled him to find her and then to put this proposition to her. That's why when it all came together, we have the verse there that says that he worshipped the Lord because he saw the hand of God, the gracious hand of God in all the events. And this passage here is a historical passage in God's word. This is something that happened in time and space thousands of years ago. But when you read it, and particularly when you put the gospel lens on, it reads almost like a parable. Abraham, as we read the story here, would remind us of God the Father. We believe in God the Father. Isaac, therefore, must remind us of God the Son, that is, of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the unnamed servant who does not draw any attention to himself, then is speaking to us of God, the Holy Spirit. The young lady in the passage, Rebecca, speaks to us of the sinner, because the bride that God is seeking for his son is the church, and the church of Jesus Christ is made up of saved sinners who have been pardoned and freed from their sins. In our text tonight, the question is put to the young lady, to Rebecca, as to whether or not she would go with this man. In other words, would she consent to be the bride of Isaac? In our marriage ceremonies, we have 
the question asked. Will you take this man to be your lawful wedded husband? And the, the answer comes back, I do. I do. Here it is worded just a little differently. Wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. And it's very evident that this was a moment of decision. A question is asked, will you go with this man? The alternative, of course, is maybe you won't. Will you or will you not go with this man? There was a moment of decision. And in this gathering tonight here in the Clocker Valley, again as it has been night by night during the mission, as before and again, no doubt afterwards, the gospel is preached. And whenever you hear the gospel being presented, if you are yet unsaved, then you are called upon to yield to the claims of the gospel. And in yielding to the claims of the gospel, you will be converted not to a church, not from one religion merely to another, but you will be converted to Jesus Christ. And I remind you of the words of the Saviour himself when he said, except ye repent and be converted, and except ye become as little children, ye shall in no wise enter in for the kingdom of God. There are three things that we want to see in the text tonight as we open it up. First of all, I think, number one, we should see here the sound reasoning. The sound reasoning behind the question. Wilt thou go with this man? And you'll notice, first of all, that it was asked by those who cared deeply for the welfare of this young lady. Because verse 55, we are reminded here that these words came from her brother, and also from her mother. So they cared deeply for this young lady. If they had a thought there was any danger to this young girl, the Bible says she was beautiful to look upon, she was very attractive and desirable, and all those things. Well then, had there been any thought of danger, well, this man's servant would have been chased away. He would have been run out of the yard, out of the prop off the property and up the road. And when you look around you in the meeting tonight, we can say this, that people care for you. We have not come to the Clocker Valley, no, myself, the people here, to rob you. We have not come to injure you. We have not come to harm you. These meetings are conducted. People turn up and get the heat on and the light on and the great effort that goes into the meetings. Because we care for you. We can say honestly tonight, the love of Christ constrains us. That's the greatest motivation that anybody can have. The love of the Savior constrains us to preach these things, to conduct these meetings. And since it is the love of Christ at the back of it all, then you need not fear. Part of the wooing process here lay in the production, verse 53, of jewels of silver and gold. That's what he brought out. He brought forth, they were in the background, and he brought them forth out of his bag, out of his pockets, jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment, clothing. And he gave them to Rebekah. 
And that was not so much indeed, not at all, to play upon any greed that might have been in Rebecca's heart. But it was really to give her an assurance that her new husband, if she would consent, was more than able to support her. She was not going to marry a poor man and have a hard life of toil and penury and misery and poverty. No, she was being asked to assent to marry to a man who could support her. And of course, all this has a very powerful and a very wonderful gospel application. We've already quoted the verse on another night, but we must quote it again. In the gospel, we are setting before you, yes, before your eyes, before your ears, what is called the unsearchable, the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. You consider tonight your spiritual needs, your spiritual poverty tonight. You get a a glimpse of yourself where you are in the sight of a holy God. And the Bible is telling you, and we've all had to come, every Christian has had to come face to face with this reality, and we have accepted it, that we are all sinners before God, that we have incurred, brought to ourselves great guilt and severe bondage because of our sins, and secured ourselves a place in hell. If we were to remain and die in our sin. That's that's the reality of it all tonight. That's what the Bible teaches. When you come face to face with God and the gospel, those are are the things that we need to learn. That lays the foundation for all that is to come. If that's not grasped, then you might wonder, well, what's he on about tonight? Why the urgency? Why why the the passion behind the the voice? Because we are all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But these unsearchable riches, these gospel riches are set forth, uh, offer us pardon for our sins. Offer us forgiveness for our sins. Our sins tonight, the Bible says, can be blotted out. Whereby God will remember them no more. And remove from us as far as the east is from the west. That's in, uh, on them. That cannot be measured. You can measure the North Pole down to the south. What, 12, 12 and a half thousand miles in it or something like that. But you can't measure the east of the west. There's no east pole. There's no west pole. It's an immeasurable distance. And that is how far God removes the sins of those who turn to him in repentance and in faith. And when a man gets saved, the woman, boy or girl gets saved, the redeemed sinner then enjoys on this life, in this life, on this earth, the glorious liberty of the sons of God. Sin has no more dominion over him because the Bible says he is not under the law of God anymore, but he is under grace And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. The future of the child of God is entirely bright. We have a home and a hope laid up for us in heaven. We preached that there on Sunday night, did we not? The Father's house, the many mansions. 
If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. We are an excited people tonight because we are looking for the coming again of the Lord Jesus Christ. A home is reserved for every child of God. Grace is given to persevere in holiness. We sang that in that, that, that third verse of Mr. Cowper's great hymn, Dear Dying Lamb, Thy precious blood, it will never lose its power till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. There's the perseverance and the preservation of the saints. Consider who it is. Consider who it is who brings these truths to you. Oh yes, you may hear tonight the voice of a mere man. You perhaps inquire a little into my background and you will see little or nothing there that will be impressive. I make no, I can make no claims of grandeur or, or anything like that. But you see, it's not about me, is it, tonight? Mr. Spurgeon, the great old prince of preachers, used an illustration. He told a story as only Spurgeon could tell it of an old Methodist preacher. He was preaching the gospel just like I'm preaching it tonight. And he came to the text in the course of his message through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And the old preacher did something, and I'm not going to replicate it tonight, but he did something very strange and memorable. He ducked down. Down he went onto his hunkers, out of the sight of the people. And he says through this man, not the man behind the pulpit, he said. See, he was getting out of sight, wasn't he? You see the theater there, but it was very powerful. Not this man in the pulpit, but this man in the tree, the Lord Jesus. This man on the cross who died for us through this man. Is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. You see, it's not about the preacher, is it? It's about the book from which the preacher draws his texts. And if you have investigative powers, and my, I disappoint you in what you find, you set them to work on this book. And you will find this book to be what it claims to be. It is the word of the living God. And being the word of God, it is the word of him who cannot lie. This is a book that changes lives for the better. This is a life, a, a, a book that changes entire communities. When it gets hold of the people, entire communities and homes are changed. It makes wicked men good. And you can trust this message tonight that I'm preaching with all your heart. I will stand over it. I am confident that my brother behind me will stand over it. Mr. McIntyre will stand over it, the session of this church, because we're preaching the gospel of Christ. Remember, you have a soul to be saved. And this salvation of God, whereby all your sins can be pardoned, the vile and the wicked sins, come on the secure foundation of the word of God. There was sound reasoning behind this question. Will thou go with this man? And then we want to see secondly here, number two, the simple question itself. The simple question itself. 
Wilt thou go with this man? And immediately it is, well, first of all, obviously, a, a reference to the servant. But through the servant that's going to lead the Isaac, wilt thou go with this man? Will you marry Isaac, of whom this man is speaking? But in the gospel, in the gospel, this man that we're talking about tonight is what the one who is called the man Christ Jesus. There's only one God. There's only one mediator between God and men. It's the man Christ Jesus. Yes, it is true that God the Son came down and he dwelt among us. He became flesh and he dwelt among us. Our little catechism reminds us that he took to himself a true body and a reasonable soul. But this little phrase, this man, crops up several times in the New Testament. And I do not see that as a coincidence. I link it back to this text and I interpret this text in the light, as I said earlier, of the New Testament. I think about Luke chapter 23 tonight in verse 41. The words of the dying thief of whom we sung in that hymn, the dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in this day. And what was the testimony of the dying thief? He said, this man hath done nothing amiss. Oh, he didn't say we're innocent victims. He didn't say that to the other fellow on the other cross. Oh, he said, we, 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 we receive justly for the deeds that we have done. We have come to the end of the road. We are reaping what we have sown. But this man, this man on the cross, this man has done nothing amiss. He's giving a testimony to the absolute sinlessness of the Son of God. For the one who would bear our sins himself must be sinless. The just for the unjust. He dies on the tree. He's my way to God and he's God's way to me. In him there was no sin. And then we have this little phrase that crops up again in John chapter 7 and verse 46. And I love these words. It's one of my favorite texts. He said of Jesus, never man speak like this man. This man you've been asked to go with tonight. Never man speak like this man. He spoke with the authority of heaven. The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. He offered salvation to all who would want it. He silenced his foes. No man dared ask him any more questions. He took on the devil in the wilderness. He sent him packing in utter defeat. This man who cried on the cross, the cry of triumph, he cried, it is finished. And once again, here is this element of trust. If you cannot trust God's Son, I ask you, who can you trust tonight? Who can you trust? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12. This man. What did this man do? This man, after he had offered one sacrifice, one sacrifice for sins forever, he sat down at the right hand of God. And again, we're back at the cross. Behold, the Savior on the cross, a spectacle of woe. See from his agonizing wounds the blood incessant flow. Does that not testify to you tonight? Can you just gaze on the Son of God and the words of Scripture? Is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? To see the Son of God dying for sinners, does that not tell you the great love that he has? The love of Christ constrains us to come. 
What's this love of Christ? The love that put him on the cross. You see, it was not all talk, was it? He did not shrink back. He had power to lay down his life. He had power to take it up again. And he laid down his life for the sheep. He gave his life freely and voluntarily. The success of the mission. He's now seated at the right hand of the majesty and high. Heaven received him back because he finished completely the work that the Father gave him to do. This text comes up again, a number of occasions. comes up again in Luke 15 and verse 2, the old jabe of the Pharisees. He sneered at him. He saw all the sinners flocking. This man, this man receiveth sinners. I know we say tonight, thank God that he does. He receives you if you come. Don't you think you'll be turned away? You know, sometimes you go into maybe into the cities, into the bigger towns, Friday night, big queue outside the nightclub, big burly boys at the door, bobber boots, the lower jacket, the jeans, dear knows what else, in their pockets. No, you're not getting in. Your face doesn't fit. Son, take yourself away off somewhere else. And you start to argue. There was a day, maybe it's cleaned up a little bit now, but there always happened to be a little entry up the side and some boys just disappeared up there, got the lesson taught, and didn't want to come back. But at heaven's door, the Saviour is standing and he says to you tonight, because we're in the day of grace, and that makes a difference. He says, him that cometh to me, I will in no ways cast out. Yes, this man receive a sinner. See the simplicity of the challenge, isn't it? This young lady is confronted here. Here's a man, the ma this man's master. Will you go with this man? Will you go with this man? We're putting that out tonight. Let that hang just for a little moment, the pregnant pause. Will you go with this man? Don't, don't clog it up the lesser questions and arguments. Resist the temptation tonight to evade the issue. Address, it addresses the will directly tonight. You see, the Lord Jesus stood one day and he said to the people that were surrounding him, they weren't on his side, and he looked them all straight in the eye and he said to them, Ye will not come to me, that ye may have life. And there's where the problem is. He will not come to me that you might have life. You see, man damns himself. That's the reality. Jesus saves, but man damns himself. He refuses the only remedy of sin. And he embraces uh, the virus of sin. And he seals his own doom. And if he's lost, only himself to blame. Maybe you've turned them away often in the past but he's still here tonight and again the offer's coming another opportunity, another chance to be saved will you go with this man listen to the third point the saving response to the question wilt thou go with this man and this wee damsel called Rebecca, this wee lassie says, I will go. She'd never seen this man. 
He's away in a far country. She'd never seen him. This wasn't the day of the photograph. This wasn't the day of Facebook and Instagram and whatever else. Never had seen him. But she had heard so much. She was impressed. The Bible addresses this because Peter wrote, Peter wrote to the Christians in his day and he said of Christ, whom having not seen, ye love. It reminds us of the words of Christ to Thomas. Do you remember Thomas? Oh, doubting Thomas. I will not believe unless I see the prints in his hands. And he says, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed, but blessed Happy are they that have not seen and yet believed. And that's us tonight. We've never set physical eyes on them, but we believe tonight. We believe it was for us. He hung and he suffered there. And Rebecca, Rebecca was none the worse for not having seen him. And in that act of faith, whereby she passed from death on to life, she said, I will go. And she went. And she went. The report was true in her faith. It was well pleased. Her decision was resolute. And it was immediate. I will go. And in verse 67, just at the end of the passage, we read how she came to Jacob. And look there what it says, Isaac. I came to Isaac, I should say. Isaac brought her in to his mother's Sarah tent. And he took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. This is more than one of these ancient love stories. And they all lived happily ever after, and so on. Yes, of course they did. But this is a lot more than just an ancient love story. This is a story of the cross. This is a story of eternal ages. This is the very heart of the gospel. And tonight, again in this gathering... And in this church, as it has been for years, the gospel is preached. And as we draw to the end, God is calling you to himself. And he's calling you out of your sins tonight. Those are damning sins. They're not worth it. They're not worth it. What does a man profit at gain? The whole world lose his own soul. And he's calling you to embrace him. As your Lord and your Saviour, will you go with this man? He has done so much to save you. Come on to me, that's what he says. All ye that are labour, all ye that labour that are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And you'll be able to put your head on the pillow tonight for the first time and say, It is well. It is well with my soul. May God draw you to himself, just where you're sitting in the seat, you lift up your heart on to him. Say, Lord, I'm coming home. I want to be saved. Save me now. Wash me, cleanse me in the blood that flowed on Calvary. Or you want to speak with us afterwards? Noel, myself, Mr. McIntyre, I'll be a Christian friend that has brought you along. You're concerned about your soul. Will that tonight be the night of the great decision? Choose ye this day whom ye will serve. There's no better service than that of our blessed Saviour, the Lord Jesus. We're going to close by singing a hymn. What hymn is it?